Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and got a good episode for you guys here today, coming from a guy named Joe Bob, or that's at least what he wants to be called because I don't use people's real names when I get these emails. And remember, make sure to keep sending me your questions about the stock market strategies. I love using them for my podcast. It's a good chance that you will get a podcast episode dedicated to answering your questions. So send them to me, ryan at shareplanner.com. Also make sure that you sign up for swingtradingthestockmarket.com. It supports this podcast. You're going to get all of my market information each and every week. That's going to include S&P 500, NASDAQ 100, Russell 2000 updates, my indicators, my weekly watch list, as well as daily trade setups and some of the most intriguing charts that I come across each and every day. Also, all the FANG stocks as well. So make sure to check that out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Now, Joe Bob, he's new to trading. He says, I've been binging your podcast. I had no idea you started doing this in 2007, and you have such great content. I've lived in the greater part of my life in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I'm new to trading with my first year under the belt. And I'm just trying to absorb everything up like a sponge. Swing trades and option swings have been my comfort zone as I find out more about my preferred risk and discipline areas. I actually do have a question that I would love to know your opinion on. When you trade a stock, would you ever be willing to risk 20% on a stock that you believe has a 3x or better return potential long term? Or maybe what I am asking is how should I try and define acceptable risk amongst the potential return? but I've never considered such a large loss potential or am I making this too complicated and stick to the three to one reward to risk ratio and not necessarily look at percentages. Sincerely, Joe Bob. So for the drink that I am having for this podcast, it's my old fashioned. Every once in a while, I like to bring back up my old fashioned that I'm using so that you guys can have the same old fashioned at home and enjoy it just as much. This time though, I put a little bit of a twist on it. I use Instead of a simple syrup, I used a organic agave nectar. And it's really good. It changes the complex a little bit, makes it a little bit spicier while keeping that sweetness still intact. Also, a little bit thicker, too, of a old-fashioned. Not too much, but just a little bit more. That agave nectar seems to be a little bit of a thicker substance, but it makes it really good. My wife, she actually likes it better. I find that insulting, frankly. I think my original is the best. Now, but all kidding aside, though, for those who are wondering... My old-fashioned, I give it a 10 out of 10. It's just that good. And I use six dashes of the angaristic bitters. I never know if I'm actually saying that right. I use two dashes of the orange bitters, three-eighths of an ounce of simple syrup, or in this case, I would use maybe like a quarter of an ounce to three-eighths of an ounce of the organic agave nectar. Then I use two ounces of the 
Knob Creek Nine Year Bourbon. It's pretty good. You can get a big thing of it at like an ABC liquor or a Total Wine. Then I put a pretty good cherry in it. You don't want to get the like cherries you get at the grocery store. You want to get like a high end cherry that has a real good sweetness to it. I put that in there and then I put an orange peel. I express it over it and voila, you got a good old fashioned. Now, to answer Joe Bob's email in more detail here. First of all, he's new to trading for one year. He's a newbie. And a lot of you guys listening are newbies, and that's great. I hope you guys continue to listen. I think a lot of times people get too much confidence too quickly, and they'll say, all right, peace out, Ryan. I'm not listening to your podcast anymore because I got it figured out. I don't want you guys to do that. You want to continue to listen to this podcast because you're going to continue to learn, and you're going to continue to develop more as a trader. Whatever you think you know now, it's small potatoes compared to how much you still have to learn. And the moment that we have confidence in the market is usually when the market wants to knock us down some. And right now, the market is still rewarding risky behaviors. So for a lot of you guys watching, the stop losses and how critical they are really hasn't been shown to you up close. And so for Joe Bob here, he's new to trading for just one year. And the one thing that concerns me the most about this email was the part of the email that wasn't even a question. It's where he says he likes to swing trade stocks and swing trade options. And that's a bad thing, especially when you read a little bit further down and he says, I'm still trying to figure out my preferred risk. Well, options are incredibly risky. I think it's like 90 or 95% of them expire worthless. And there's so many different variables that goes into the options, the strike price, the amount of premium that you're buying that option for, the expiration, the time decay, the gamma, the delta, the theta, all that stuff, okay? It goes into options trading. It's very, very difficult. And then when you start doing complex options trading makes it even more difficult. And here's the thing. Even if you're right about the direction of the stock, doesn't mean that you're going to make money off of the options because you're fighting time. These things are eventually expiring. And the closer you get to that date, the less that they're worth if they're not in the money. So Joe Bob, if he's still trying to figure out his preferred risk, it would seem like it would make sense to me is to keep trading as simple as possible. Avoid the options. Focus on swing trading the equities. And that's all I do. I don't trade options because it doesn't fit my risk profile. And that's after having done it for many, many years. I just know that options are not the best vehicle for me. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't ever trade options. I'll do covered calls, and I enjoy doing those on some of my long-term investments. I think that if you can get a good premium that you can sell a, a call at, sure, I'll sell the covered calls. But I think a lot of times, and possibly in Joe Bob's case here, he's just buying calls or he's buying puts. And most of the time, those things are going to expire worthless. Now, a lot of people say, well, you manage the downside risk on things. And that can be preferable if you're like shorting the stock market, because at least you don't expose yourself to infinite losses like you can if you're shorting equities. However, still, the potential for a loss, even when the stock ultimately goes your direction because you ran out of time on your options, is real. So for somebody new to trading, I always think that it's probably best to avoid the shorting, avoid the options, and just focus on being long on equities. If the market's not behaving well or if it's in the middle of a correction, just stand aside. Let the market correct. You don't have to lose money with everybody else. Just stand aside. I mean, right now, I don't think there's a lot of opportunity in this market right now. I'm still doing my research like I do each day. I'm still doing tons of charts as if it's the busiest time of the year for me in trading. But I haven't made a lot of trades lately because I don't think there's a good reward to risk currently in the market right now. I do have a short position on the market, on the Russell 2000. But I'm not very aggressive on the market right now because I'm waiting for better opportunities. And I haven't even made a trade in a solid week. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. And it goes back to the point with Joe Bob is like, hey, look, you don't have to go out there and start off trading by getting into options and getting into shorting and everything else. And 
Instead, it's better to focus on the long setups because those are the ones that you're going to learn the most from right out of the gate. And it's also going to keep you away from a lot of risk. And when the market does correct, you don't have to be short it. Instead, you can wait and you can wait for it to settle in, find that bottom, and then you can start getting long again. In essence, options will increase your chances of failure as a trader and especially as a new trader. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, his email gets a little bit more complicated as he asks about he wants to risk 20% on a long-term trade in order to make 60% return. Well, why do you necessarily have to risk 20%? Is there a reason for risking that? Or is it because you think that you can make 60% on the trade that, hey, that gives me a lot more wiggle room? What it sounds like to me is is that Joe Bob's afraid of losing out on this trade. So he's like, well, since I can make 60% on the trade, I can go three to one on the reward to risk still, and I can risk a far bigger amount But really, you should be asking yourself, what's the best ideal location to put my stop loss at? Now, that's not contingent on how much reward you can get out of the trade. The risk should be looked at first. Where do I put my stop loss at relative to my entry? And it's also important to know, too, what is the max amount of risk that you're willing to take on a trade or on an investment? If your risk tolerance is, is I can only handle a max of 10%, then you should completely ignore the trade setups that would require you to take 20% or 30% on a trade. Because the bigger the risk, the more that you need to make it a justifiable return. I mean, what would be better is if that he says, hey, you know what? This thing has a 60% long-term potential. And I only have to risk 5%. Well, then all of a sudden, this guy's getting like, what, 12 to 1? That would be ideal. Or maybe it's 10% that he has to risk. Why risk more than 10%? If you can see that if it crosses a certain threshold at 10%, that all of a sudden this trade has gone to crap and you don't want to be in it anymore. That's what the stop loss is for. It's when the stock goes to crap and you don't want to be in it anymore. Something's wrong. You don't have to wait for it to get to 20% if you can figure that out at 10% or 5%. But again, I think Joe Bob wants to risk 20% because he doesn't want to lose on the trade. And sometimes, especially with men, they have a much more difficult time accepting losses. They take it as a win-loss thing. Their ego gets in the way and they're like, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. I'm holding on. But he's asking, how should I try to define acceptable risk amongst a potential return? Well, again, the risk that you're willing to take on a trade is not contingent on the return. The return justifies the risk. So if you look at stock A, B, and C, okay, before you even consider the reward, you look at the risk. You get into stock A, B, C, and you're saying, hey, the ideal entry is at $100. The place that I want to put my stop loss at for when it becomes clear that this trade is not going to work for me or something is very much wrong and I don't want anything to do with it is at $90. So I'm taking a 10% stop loss, okay? You've defined the risk with complete disregard for the reward, and that's what you should do. After you've defined the risk, then you look at the reward and you say, okay, how much reward potential is there on this trade? If it comes back and you only see the upside being $110, well, then you pass on the trade because that's a one-to-one. If it's 120, then you got a two-to-one, and that's more ideal. Three-to-one's great. Anything more than two-to-one is what you want. The two to one and above, those are ideal reward to risk because you can do well with those kinds of numbers. But you don't want to do this. You see stock ABC trading at $100 and you're like, oh, I think this stock will go up to $150. All right, now I'm going to define the stop loss. 
Well, since I can make $50 to the upside, I'm going to go ahead and put my stop loss at $25 to the downside. But in the previous example, we just saw that you didn't have to put it any less than $90 for it to be a good stop loss. And instead, you're putting it at $25 just so that you can stay in it longer and increase your chances of hopefully being right. That's not what you want to do. So in the end, risk is defined by itself, okay? You don't make it based off of what the potential reward is. And so you don't want to increase risk unnecessarily. Do I ever increase risk in general? Yes, I will, but I'm also comfortable with it in that circumstance. I know the kind of losses that I can take and that I can't take, but it's also going to be dependent on the market situation that I'm in, the stock that I'm trading. Some of the more volatile stocks does require a little bit wider stop losses, but I'm not going to say, hey, I'm going to get into Roku here at $200 a share and put my stop loss at 100 because I think that I can make all the way up to 400 on the trade. Not going to happen. I'm only going to go after those trade setups that have stop losses that I'm comfortable with, and I'm not going to make that based off of the reward itself. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode here. Make sure to continue to leave five-star reviews for me on Apple, on Amazon, Spotify, whatever podcast platform you listen to. Make sure to subscribe and leave a good review for me. Those mean the world to me. I think you guys are amazing and you continue to send me some great questions. Again, shoot me your questions. Ryan at shareplanner.com. I read all of them. So thank you guys. God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.